You're listening to Branch Out by Sycamore. When you think back on your career to this point, are there any moments that kind of stand out as really pivotal where a light switch turned on or you had a revelation about what you're doing in medicine or a new direction you want to go? There was one time when I was doing my cardiology rotation. I was in a cath lab when my case was going bad. And one of the nurses said, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Anytime I'm doing a procedure, it goes on in the back of my mind. I'm Larson Hicks, CEO of Sycamore, and welcome to Branch Out, where I chat with healthcare professionals about broad-reaching topics like their careers in medicine, hobbies and pursuits outside the hospital, and everything in between. Dr. Narani, it's great to have you. Thanks for joining our podcast slash interview show where we interview physicians around the country and just hear them tell their stories about where they have come from, how they've arrived at the career they're in. And we love hearing, especially about doctors who've branched out and are doing things differently. As a company, Sycamore is really interested in equipping and empowering and encouraging physicians to branch out in their own careers to take their own path. We're really a a career partner for doctors who want to be independent, who want to build a career that suits their work-life balance. So that's why we've got you here. So you're a nocturnist hospitalist based in Alabama. I understand that you're a creature of the night, so you're like in zombie mode right now. I actually just shift my circadian clock to daytime because I have two day shifts coming up. So I frequently have to do that now. Wow. Um, Okay. You need to tell us about that. I'm spoiled and have had just a normal sleep schedule my entire life. How do you do it? Because I know a lot of physicians who work crazy schedules and I honestly, I marvel at it. What are the tricks? I personally enjoy working nights. You get to do more things, make some meaningful changes in patients' lives. But before starting to do some emergency medicine shifts, I only work nights. But as far as uh, when I started doing emergency medicine, I do those shifts during the daytime. So I'll come home in the morning after a night shift, sleep, wake up, I have my dinner, go back to bed again. And then when I wake up next morning, you know, my body just adjusts to the daytime. I think it's still a relatively easier for me to do it since I'm on the younger end of the spectrum. My body's going to force me to stick to one schedule. And a little bit melatonin does the trick. How much time do you need to switch the circadian rhythm to go from days to nights? I think 24 hour works for me. Yeah, just one 24 hour cycle is uh, good enough for me. That's crazy. I don't have a reason to try it, so I'm just going to take your word for it. I don't think I'm going to try it. It's very tough on your body. The first couple of times, you won't notice it, but then you start to feel it. Then you get back in the groove, and you keep on going, so it doesn't affect you that much. I went to India after high school for a little while, and I remember it was like a 12-hour difference. I remember feeling, this isn't that big a deal, switching. But when I came back, it just wrecked me. I was a mess for three days. So you're one of these... Interesting, crazy doctors, really, who works just all out. You're putting in more hours in a month than two doctors combined. Tell us about the decision to do that. Why are you doing that? For starters, do you think you're going to do that forever? Are you making a strategic decision to approach it that way at this phase in your life? Yeah, so there are like several parts to it. The first being, you know, when I was still in residency, and even before that, when I started to learn about financial independence, There's this big thing going on in financial independence forum. Hey, even when you're done being a resident, 
you still have to live like a resident for the first couple of years. Where this advice might hold true for U.S. medical students because they're in a lot of debt, you will see most foreign nationals will not be in so much debt. But it never hurts to have that extra cash because cash is king. Whenever you're done with the residency, with your first paycheck, don't go buy a Land Rover or go buy a big boat or buy a five-bedroom house. Try to stay within your means and slowly expand. So one day your bank account will thank you for it. So that's one of the reasons. And the second one is I felt like I'd be more comfortable having a certain amount in the bank as that would you know, provide me some kind of independence later on down the road where I could cut back and start thinking about, hey, can I do something else? What am I really passionate about apart from medicine that will fulfill my soul as well? I've heard that advice a bunch of times. You need to live like a resident after you graduate. But I think the interesting thing that you're doing is not only are you living like a resident, but you're also working like a resident. Usually the first thing the attendings do when they get out is cut back. Usually six on, one off most of the times or five on, two. I'm basically working 27 or 28 on and two or three off for the last two years until recently when I started to cut back. I still have the same car, still live in the same apartment. I'm committed to the plan. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I do have uh, some people around me also committed to the plan. So that kind of makes it easier. You have uh, certain people going down the same road. Is that a group of people that you've become friends with in school? Or was that some community that you found online? There's some guys at work and then there's some people online. So you look at people and you're like, hey, this guy can do it. I can do it too. You just got to challenge yourself. That's awesome. So you talked about the financial independence, retire early world. Is there a favorite guru that you follow that you're a fan of? It's mostly just a bunch of blog posts, but the white coat investor, this, yeah, I enjoy uh, his musings and his blog. And I actually did enjoy his book as well. But there are like tons of sources online. So for anyone interested in that, I think that'll be a good place to start. Have you heard of Mr. Money Mustache? No, is that you? If you're listening, I've got a huge mustache on my face. No, it's not me. I wish it was me because I think that guy's doing it right. My wife's a big fan of this blogger called Mr. Money Mustache. And he's another one of these financial independence retire early guys. If you find someone that you connect with, White Coat Investor, a lot of people like Dave Ramsey. There's different people out there preaching the same message. There are different ways to get to the same goal. It's yeah. just that everyone's circumstances are different. So you may be in a different boat than me, but there are many different ways to achieve the same end goal. So you explore what sources are there, and then you pick and choose and make your own path. So I feel like that's the important thing. We skipped right over your background story. How did you get into hospital medicine? How did you end up in Alabama? It sounds like you've started picking up shifts in the, in the emergency room, too. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you ended up where you're at today? Yeah. So let me take you back as far as uh, 2005. I was actually a exchange visitor to America in high school. I did my junior year in Hollis, New Hampshire. I was a part of the Kennedy Luger program and I stayed with a host family. My host father was a physician and I saw the wonderful impact he made in patients' lives. So that's when I decided that, hey, this is the right thing. And I felt like I was always more inclined towards biological sciences. So it felt like it was the right thing to do. So I went back to Pakistan, did my college and medical school, took my uh, USMLE step exams and came here. 
did a couple rotations, Memorial Sloan Kettering, Case Western in Ohio, and then took some more board exams and then matched uh, to Alabama, did my internal medicine residency at uh, UAB Montgomery. Great program if you want to learn the bread and butter of internal medicine. Cases, it's great for learning and mm. then decided to stay on. As I said earlier, I do enjoy being a nocturnalist because it offers you a sort of hybrid into patient pathology because at nighttime, you are the only person cross-covering. So you get to see a lot of regular internal medicine complaints. In this setting, you also see a lot of sickness. So it kind of makes you feel really comfortable with running codes, doing procedures, resuscitation. And then you connect really well and gel well together with the ER as well, because you're also admitting down there. So it's like a hybrid IM-EM perspective. And that's what basically got me going towards ER as well. I really enjoy the uh, procedural aspect and treating a problem and fixing Mm. it. And the patient immediately feels better compared to internal medicine, where it's more of a chronic process, takes several days. That's interesting. I hadn't really considered that uh, the difference between the experience and the satisfaction, as you described it, of treating an emergent problem, making a significant improvement in somebody's situation immediately. And you have that opportunity at least to see those results in real time in the emergency room. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize what hospital medicine is. So that's also very interesting that I found people think of doctors working only in the emergency room, but they don't realize what happens when you don't get discharged. You get admitted to the hospital. So the hospital takes care of your medical problems in the hospital. That's the other thing you know I find very interesting. How did you make that jump? Was that something that your hospital was really open to, or did you have to talk them into it? Most places are quite open to this. Smaller community setups are. Yeah. And then there's a lot of internal medicine, family medicine, general surgery trained doctors who are doing community ER. So it's not something unheard of. Sycamore, we traditionally work with emergency medicine physicians, and we often work with internal medicine or even family medicine physicians who practice in the emergency room. We hear all the time that they're some of the best doctors in the ER, so there's no reason why you you can't make that transition. You've enjoyed it just in the short term. Is there a long-term play for you? Is it more just about having some diversity and kind of having some different opportunities, or is there a trajectory for you where you think emergency medicine is more your long-term direction you want to go? I'm more of a uh, cerebral creature, so I do enjoy thinking a lot about what is causing this metabolic acidosis, a whole lot of internal things. If you ask me now, I'm just getting my feet wet in emergency medicine, but I do enjoy it a lot. So maybe I'll do some sort of hybrid, couple shifts of this, couple shifts of that, but I just cannot give up on internal medicine completely. We're starting to explore helping physicians get involved with medical consulting and forensic medicine for assisting in lawsuits and in cases where lawyers often want to just know, is there a medical case to be made here or not? Surprisingly, there frequently are these connections, right? One of our first legal partners just reached out to me yesterday about a medical malpractice case. They're looking at where a person had a lot of comorbidities, but was on like 20 different medications. There was a concern that there was a a problem with some conflicting issues created 
by some of these medications, essentially being over-medicated. So it sounds like somebody with your experience and with the cerebral orientation towards digging into the literature, and that's probably right up your alley. Sure, yeah. That'll be very interesting to pursue. So tell us a little bit about your side hustle, because I know you're only working 28 days a month, so you got to be doing something with your extra time. What do you got going? So ever since the pandemic hit, basically was a stimulus for all of us to really take a step back and reevaluate our lives and what we have been doing so far. So same thing for me. Then I had COVID as well. And then Mm. you saw nationwide when the ER volumes dropped in quarantine and the inpatient surgical cases went down. It got me thinking about how secure is my job really? As doctors, we all have to think about that because, hey, I may not have this problem, but other people may have kids. They got school fees to pay for, mortgages, car payments. What's our contingency plan? It just cannot be, oh, I'll just go pick up another shift. You got to do something different. Where are you going to invest all that money? You can go buy a condo you know, or an apartment or a house and put it up for rent, or you can do something else, open up a franchise, open Burger King, Dunkin' Donuts, Chick-fil-A, do whatever. But I found my calling to looking more into day trading. It's just very funny because I feel like as a physician, you just have a different edge that most other folks may not have because you have a decent amount of capital. And with the right education and right insight, you can leverage it out pretty well and make some comfortable gains. So that's what I'm working on. It seems like a pretty volatile time right now in the market. There's winners and losers, but it seems whenever there's volatility, there's probably opportunities to make some money. It's always a good time depending on what you're doing. Yeah, I feel like you might have heard whenever the student is ready, the master appears. So now's as good of a time. There's a lot of different tools out there which provide you very valuable insight about where other people are positioned mm-hmm. and which way things are going to go. It's basically putting uh, together a puzzle. Mm. And you do it oftentimes, you will start to see some patterns. Right. Some people mm. might call it like uh, it's the property bubble or like the last great bubble. Everyone's doing stocks or options or something. But I feel like if you have the um, right mindset and you do some good risk management, you can be in the game longer and hmm. you won't blow up your account. I don't know anything about trading. So my philosophy has been to avoid putting money in things that I don't understand. And until I'm ready to really dive in and understand it, I don't want to just speculate. It's just complete gambling. I might as well just go to Vegas you know, for me. Have more fun at Vegas. Free drink. Yeah, that's right. I have been intrigued by the writings of Nassim Taleb. What's your impression of Nassim Taleb? I think there are a couple of things that he touches very well on, but there are other, if any of your listeners are interested, you first have to start off with going by what kind of products are you interested in or what kind of markets are you interested in? Is it um, U.S. equities? Is it a future market? Is it cryptocurrency? Is it treasury bonds? Is it commodities? And then what kind of trader are you going to be? Are you going to be a systematic or a um, discretionary trader? Hmm. Then there are different ways and then the different tools and books about it. So if you want to do technical analysis, there are different books. Hmm. But know and understand that lines on a chart do not move prices. There actually has to be an organic buyer or seller or an algorithm that moves around the prices. So you have to know who's doing the 
promotions in that particular market at that particular time mm. where the liquidity is. So all those sort of thing. And if you're trading with market profile, there are different books for that. And if you are more inclined towards quantitative, there are different books for that and different tools for what are the market makers doing and where is the retail position at and why is GME at 50 today and has been stuck around 50 over the past couple of days, you know, what's the reason for that? These are things that you learn over a period of time. I feel like right. unless you have a mentor um, who can accelerate this process, yeah, there's it's going to be a very tough journey. You just got to keep yeah. uh, going on. So but, uh, I can provide you a list of books that I'm really interested in and have been browsing. Please do that. That'd be great. I thought you were just going to say we should just get on Reddit. Well, that's even worse than gambling because uh, you're not getting free drinks. The madness around GameStop and AMG and all that stuff has been at least in- entertaining to watch as an outsider. I don't know what it really signals or means or if, it, if it's going to have any sort of long stream effect. It's interesting in one way and also saddening because you see all these posts on the internet that um, people have actually put their life savings in GameStop. Yeah. So folks who didn't have much uh, insight about how these derivatives work. They're great because they're quite upside, but they're also very dangerous because if you don't do your due diligence, then you won't know which way the market's going to go and everyone's got an angle. So you go in blind, you risk losing a lot. Exactly. I feel like the market always corrects itself and somebody's going to be stuck with holding the bag at some point. You just got to figure out when is the momentum going to change? What is exactly driving these prices up? Is it the actual underlying or is this the actual dog driving the price up? Or is it the tail of the dog that's basically wagging the dog now, which is the option product? And then when do they expire? All those sort of things. It's fun to dip my toe in and and hear you talk about it. I'd love to look at the stuff you're reading right now and dive a little deeper. I also understand you've got a different approach to cuisine and eating. Are you a guy that eats out a lot? Montgomery is not exactly the food mecca of America. (laughs) Oftentimes, I'll go to Atlanta um, or uh, Charlotte. I've been to Vegas. I I stayed in New York City before I moved down here. So definitely a lot of different cuisines. And do you cook at all? Yeah. So back in residency, interestingly, even with working all those crazy hours, I was really interested in cooking. I used to cook quite often, maybe every second or third day. But now as an attending physician, my schedule is just so tough. I'll cook sometimes. I'm on a very strict diet. I feel like that's very important to optimize Mm -hmm. my functioning. So I'll have a strict breakfast, a strict dinner, maybe have a cheat meal once a week. When I'm not working, then I'll enjoy eating out. So is there a preferred kind of food that you're looking for when you're splurging on your days off and getting food? I'm a big fan of Persian food. There's a nice place in Atlanta. Otherwise, I'm pretty much open to anything else. What's the Persian place called? I think I forgot the name. It's not coming to my mind right now. No worries. My best friend growing up was Iranian, and I used to always love eating over at their house. Flavorful food, yeah. When you think back on your career to this point, are there any moments that kind of stand out as really pivotal moments that where a light switch turned on or you had a revelation about why you're doing medicine or what you're doing in medicine or a new direction you want to go? It was one time when I was doing my cardiology rotation. I was in a cath lab when my case was going bad and 
one of the uh, nurses said, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Anytime I'm doing a procedure, it goes on in the back of my mind. One of your doctors, Jason Patton, I worked with him as an attending as well. I've always observed him and a couple other ER doctors, and I've always noticed that it really pays off to be cool and calm in stressful situations. So yeah. that's one of the other things that I picked up in residency. But I feel like every day is a learning um, experience in medicine. That's the beauty of this profession. You just cannot afford to slack off one day, even just a simple chest pain, if you do not provide the same attention as you do it to any other. I had a baseball coach growing up who said, slow makes fast and fast makes mistakes, similar to what you heard. And I always thought that was good. I used to fly fish a lot when I lived in Idaho. And anytime I was in a rush because I saw a fish that I wanted to get, when I started really going crazy, I'd end up catching my line in a tree or in a bush or something. That was definitely a mantra for me. It works in day trading as well, yeah. You just have to wait for your setups, the things that you have back tested. One of the things that I remember hearing Taleb say that I thought was great is when you're looking at things in the big picture, if a time frame, if you're looking at historic data from a year, that's all signal. But when you shorten the length of time that you're, you're getting the data, the dirtier the data is and the more noise. I can see that in trading that people can sit there just watching it go up and down. And it's probably just a lot of noise. That fear of missing out kicks in and you make a, a stupid decision because you're not really looking at signal. You're looking at noise. Yes, that's true. A lot of it is even when you're observing and not trading, you're basically training your mind. It's just like when you were a medical student or you were in the OR or doing a medicine rotation, you're basically training your mind to see those. So you read an EKG, you see an EKG thousand times, you're basically training your mind to read those squiggly lines. So this yeah. is just a you know different concept. It's just like any other thing. You just have to be persistent and yeah. not lose your focus. You and I can maybe one day do a whole other podcast about trading and I can give you my limited two cents about it. I'm sure we're going to hear from doctors who want to learn more about this. We might take you up on that. What's something that you failed at in your career? Something we say at Sycamore is that we want to fail forward and failure in and of itself is not a failure if you learn from it and if you take it as an opportunity to grow. Sometimes in medicine, we do things and are hesitant and beat about the bush or mm. are not really comfortable about perhaps telling patients, loved ones that, hey, these things are likely not going to help. Everyone really feels for the patient, but sometimes we all know deep down in the heart that, hey, maybe... If you're on four pressers, the chances of you coming back from that are none to minimal. So I feel like early on in my training, I was very fortunate to have attending physicians who drilled down the lesson in me that you got to be really honest and forthcoming since we have to think about what's best for our patients. We deal with this every day. We have to tell what statistically the chances and basically comfort care is not a removal of all the care. It's basically a provision of comfort and allowing someone to pass away with dignity. So oftentimes the words we choose and the manner we convey these things are very important. So I would say that early on in my career, when I stumbled across these challenging scenarios, I was just very fortunate to have preceptors who had my back and guided me. This is something that I try to do as much as I can whenever I have time available. 
So especially with the coronavirus pandemic, I actually called up patients, family members. We have FaceTimed them. I just feel like that's the right thing, knowing yeah. that the things that you know. And then the human mind can plug in all these variables and do some really quick back-of-the-envelope calculations about statistically what are your chances. So whenever I feel like this does not look good, I always try to do the right thing and make sure that somebody has the closure they will need later yeah. on down the road. So yeah. I feel that was a failure in early years of my training that I've really overcome thanks to all the help yeah. that I had. And I tried to do the right thing. It's a good reminder out for those of us who aren't practicing medicine as well. I think a lot of times we avoid having those difficult conversations that are unpleasant. You're scared because you don't know how they're going to take it. And that's a big part of it. The best thing you can do is just relay to them, what do you know? And unfortunately, yeah. there's nothing you can do to change it. But nine times out of 10, I've seen that people really appreciate that. So that has mm -hmm. really reinforced my habits and provided me some much-needed confidence about doing the right thing. Dr. Narani, if people want to follow you, are you online anywhere? No, I'm just on Facebook and LinkedIn, but I don't really do that yeah. much posting about it. I haven't really thought about really great social media presence at this point, and maybe down the road. Sounds like you might need to start contributing over at the White Coat Investor. You might as well be one of their contributors because you know your stuff. I would be very honored, but as I said, I'm just a student. Is there anything that we didn't cover? Is there anything that we were hoping to talk about or you, you had thought we'd cover that we didn't? I think we pretty much touched on all the things that I thought we needed to cover from where I came from and to all the things that I've learned so far and where I'm going next. I'm excited to stay in touch. It sounds like you're scaling up a bit on your side hustle and you're venturing deeper into emergency medicine. It sounds like a fun phase for you. And because of all the hard work you've done, the willingness to live and work like a resident when probably a lot of your peers are out getting into more and more debt. I'm just trying yeah. to be comfortable being uncomfortable. That's a good motto. I like that. I think Dave Ramsey says, live like nobody else now so you can live like nobody else later. And I like that. This has been a lot of fun. Yes, definitely. I don't know if you're going back to sleep right now or if you're staying awake, but I hope whatever it is, you have a great rest of your day. Oh, thank you. You too. I just got to take the dog for a car ride raining outside so uh, we can go on our evening walk nice a little car ride i like that we'll have fun with the dog and we'll stay in touch thanks for doing this thank you for having me thank you for listening to branch out by sycamore check us out at sycamoredocs.com that's sycamore d-o-c-s.com